Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're uh, very blessed. Let me move this, hey? Let me move this to here. This is a seamless transition. No one noticed what was happening there. Um, We are very blessed this morning to have Pastor Cameron all the way from Texas, Dallas, Texas. Were these boots on just for him? Yeehaw. And he's, uh, he oversees the campuses as a youth pastor for Church 1132. Say 1132. And with him, he has Ryan, the tallest man Nara has ever seen. Ryan, why don't you stand up? Let's all just admire the favor of God. Look at that. What a. He's closer to heaven, church. He's closer to heaven than all of you. Um, sounds a bit dreary, doesn't it? Um, but we're so blessed to have Pastor Karen with us. He oversees, as I said, the youth campuses there and also the internship program in their church. Uh, we're going to be very encouraged this morning, very blessed. I'm excited what God has for you this morning. So why don't we stand to our feet and honor as we come around the Word of God together. Thank you so much. Man, y'all are amazing. You can be seated. Y'all are a good-looking church, I'll tell you what. How does my accent sound? I met uh, my first American brother from here. I've been looking, I've been here for eight days, and all I've been wanting was find one person that was from the States, and I found him, my brother over here. Um, Man, I'm telling you, your church, I know you know this, your church is amazing. I mean, as soon as I just walked in here in worship, you can just feel People that love Jesus. I love being around other people that love Jesus. And you can just tell that y'all have a church that loves Jesus. You have a church that is passionate about moving the kingdom of God forward. And I think that says a lot about your senior pastors. And I know that they are not here. How many people know it's good for our senior leaders? It's good for all of us to get some rest, get some time away. So to your senior pastors, I just want to honor them and what they've built and what they're sacrificing to make this happen. And it's usually a big deal if you have someone in in, the in the pulpit when they're absent, so they must really trust me, or they trust somebody else. I'm just joking, but I think you're going to be blessed. I've been I've been had the honor to get a hangout with your youth pastor, Pastor Joel. How many people love Pastor Joel? He's uh, man, he's awesome, and uh, you know, we we went to Stone Grill last night, and he was trying to convince me to put my hand on the stone when it came out. He was like, but uh, it was awesome. Me and Ryan are thinking about going and starting a business back in America called Stone Grill now and uh, doing all that. But it's, uh, it's been awesome getting to know him. So he, he's amazing. And I think y'all are really blessed. And I really, I love your country. And it is so beautiful. This is my first time. And if I'm honest, if I was judging the way this was going to be depending on the flight that I had to take over, it was the longest flight ever, 15 hours from when I left L.A., from Dallas, it's about three, so about 18 hours total. And for me, I have ADHD, which means it is hard sometimes to sit still. And so I was sitting there and like, 
I was doing all these things. I would turn on like all these movies and I could not even finish watching them just because I was like, all right, I get bored and watch it. But if it was dependent on that flight, I didn't know if it was going to be worth it. But I will say it is 100% worth it. And here's the thing, though, about countries like this. What makes the country beautiful as much as it is, I mean, you got the ocean. You have all of this stuff. You have kangaroos. Saw my first kangaroo. I pet my first kangaroo. It was amazing. Like, it was, it really was. It's like, it's silly, but it was a bucket list thing for me, and it, it changed me. But what makes this country so beautiful are the people just like you. And I think you have some of the most quality, kindest people we have ever met. So y'all are amazing. Why don't you just give yourself a round of applause? Because y'all are amazing. Uh, but yeah, I want to honor, I have a pastor, his name's Pastor Dustin Bates, and we kind of got connected. He got to come spend some time at Horizon Church about a year ago, and through that, Pastor Tim uh, Bassetto came out to America, and we kind of got connected through there, and it's, it's been just a godsend, and I'm excited because now I got more family in Australia, being y'all, that I'm going to be able to be connected with, and my pastor, he discipled me, saved, like, helped bring me to Jesus and helped teach me so much. I got saved this Wednesday, I'm going to be 30 years old. This is my joke to the youth. I'm 29. I know I look 28, but I'm actually 29. But I'm about to be 30 years old, so now I'm going to have to change it. 30, I look 29, but I'm actually 30. But 30, I was saved eight years ago, which is pretty cool. God's done a lot. God can do a lot with a submitted life. And God can do a lot with a heart that says, like, God, I need you. And when I came into church, I was so broken. I'm going to tell my story here in a minute, and I was so lost. And my senior pastor, Pastor Dustin Bates, took me in, helped disciple me, helped teach me how to pray, teach me how to read the word. He's taught me how to treat my wife because I never had a father figure in my life and has really stepped up in that area for me. So I know he's not here, but I want to honor him because I would not be here without him. And then, yes, thank you so much. And then my wife, my wife, her name's Spencer. She is the most beautiful woman in the world. We have a little baby named Carter. I think we have a picture of her. So it's my girl. Her name's Carter J. And oh, I love her so much. She crawled two days ago for the first time, which is awesome. So she crawled and my wife texted me this morning. She was like, I, I don't know if I should tell you this. I was like, what? Tell me. She was like, Carter said, Dada. And I was like, it's like, uh, so. It's good. I mean, I was kind of sad. I was like, oh, but you know, preaching the gospel, and when she's older, I'll get to bring her with me, and it's going to be good. So I know they send their love, and they're, you know, she wishes she was here, but she can't because she has to watch, watch the baby, but it's all good. So appreciate it. I'm excited for today. And this morning, I was praying. So for me, just, you know, my style of preaching a lot of time, I'm kind of like, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I have ADHD, so I'm really excited, really energetic, and I go, and I'm the type, I'll be going in, I'll be talking about Jesus, and I'll see a bird fly by, and I'll be like, oh, look at that bird fly by, but this morning, I really want to share my heart with you, and um, I've been in a season, you know, I oversee the youth ministry of our church, and I love young people, I love young people, I think the next great move of God is going to happen because young people are sold out, and I found when you have a church like this, where you have every generation that is just as passionate, like it was great, I was looking around, and I saw some of the young people, and then I saw the older generation, and there was no difference in the level of passion, like that is awesome, I was like, oh, I'm going to need some of y'all to pray for me after. And I'm like, Lord, no matter what, if I'm known for one thing at the end of my life towards when I'm, when I'm, when I'm there, I want to know, God, I was passionate about your presence and I was passionate about worship and y'all are amazing. But 
you know, I had grew up, growing up, I, I didn't have a father figure in my life. Uh, my mom, it's kind of one of those stories where my dad was my mom's boss, and he had an affair on his wife with my mom. My mom had me, and it was this big mess where he, she ended up leaving the company, moving all the way to Texas. I was born, actually, in Phoenix, Arizona, where there's a hill song there, actually, I know, but I was born in Phoenix, moved really quickly. And when I had moved, I came to Texas, and I was in Dallas, and my mom was raising me, and my mom is just an angel. I'm, I'm a mama's boy to the max. Like, I love my mom. She was in there with me when Carter was born, and it's like, I'm just so blessed to have a woman like my mom that my, my her granddaughter can look up to. She loves Jesus. She loves people. She's a giver. She's, she's amazing, and she did the best that she could, but with it, she, I had two older sisters, and their father was not in the picture, and so she had to raise us, and she did everything she could to raise us right, but because of what she needed to do to take care of us financially, there was a lot of times where she would have to go out of town. She would have to do a lot of different things, so my sisters and different people that she was friends with would watch us, and when I was in fourth grade, uh, she had gone out of town one time, and I was staying at a friend's house. My sisters were actually somewhere else, and it was, forgot exactly the scenario to why this had to happen, but I had gone there. And while I was at a friend's house that um, the, parent, the family was watching me, there was someone at the house that actually took advantage of me. So he sexually took advantage of me. And I remember I was in fourth grade, and it, it was weird. I had no one to talk to, no father figure whatsoever in my life. I was so, so broken from this. But even though I was so broken, I didn't know what to do. So I didn't say anything. And because I didn't say anything, she would keep going out of town. And I ended up getting put in the same situation over and over and over again. This caused me to go down the most dark path you could imagine. And it was sad because from the outside, people saw me as I got older. And I became addicted to drugs. And I became selling drugs. And I would get in and out of jail. From the outside, people would look and be like, what's going on with this guy? Like, what is happening? Why is he like this? But nobody knew deep down. I was so broken. There was a hurt little fourth grade boy who got taken advantage of, who got his purity taken from him, and he was so broken, and I did not know what to do. So I just let, the way I acted out was super wrong, and I don't want to make excuses for it whatsoever, the way, because I acted, I did not act right, but it was just, this is what I was trying to hide, and I was trying to cover it, but it caused me to go down this crazy path, and it was not until I was 22 years old. I was the first time, I'm sorry, 23 years old was the first time I ever told anybody about what happened. The first time it was Pastor Dustin, actually. It was when I, right after I got saved, it was the first time I told everyone. And I cannot explain what happened, but something happened in me where it was like my heart had got unlocked to the reality. Like, I can fully be able to worship God because before I would go into worship and I would try to lift my hands and I would try to connect with God. And even though I would have some type of breakthrough, there was something always holding me back. And there was something always keeping me from fully being able to get everything that I've heard other people talk about. About when they talk about their relationship with God. But I remember once I did that, it was just the most amazing thing. And I remember that night was a youth service that I came into, and it was the most freeing, awesome, great experience I ever had. And I was free for the first time in like 18, 16, 18 years, and it was powerful. I remember a little bit after that, God kept moving in my life, and I remember I was called into ministry. I was called into ministry, and he told me, Cameron, you are going to be a pastor. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a pastor. This is going to be great. And I kept being faithful. I was spending time with prayer, spending time in his word. I was serving the house faithfully. And then the time came where God said, okay. I remember when my pastor called me into the office said, Cameron, you're going to be a pastor. It's time for you to take over the youth. And I was like, great. I don't know what to do, 
but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I can. And I remember those first few years. It was, I, I didn't know much. I didn't have a lot of sense. I had a mentor that was great, but I was just learning how to rely on Jesus. And it was in those seasons I learned that his grace, Jesus's grace really is sufficient for whatever it is that he called me to be. And you know, we need to know for us, whatever season you're in, wherever you're at, Jesus's grace truly is sufficient. And I was learning this and I was going for it and God was breaking out and the youth was growing and people were being discipled and people were finding identity. And I was just in the greatest season of my life. But I don't know what happened, but a little bit of time goes on. You get a little bit more busy. You've been in this thing for a little bit. And I remember just a little bit ago, it's about two and a half, three months ago, I find myself waking up and I kind of just look around at my life and I'm like, man, I, I just don't really know what happened. That fire, like I'm doing the right thing still. I'm still praying. I'm still doing all of that. But it's like that passion, that love, that fire that I had when I was first called into ministry, when I first met Jesus, when he first found me, it just kind of like went away. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've ever been there where you look and you can look back at your life and be like, man, there was a time where I feel like I was burning brighter. That was exactly where I was. And then this is really what I want to talk to us about today. I want to talk to us about the season that I just kind of came out of and I'm coming out of. I want to talk to us about not settling for less than God's best. Not settling for less than God's best. We're going to open up a, a book, Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. It's going to be up here on the screen. It's going to be Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. I think it's up here. Here we go. I'm going to just start reading verse 22. It says this. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man, and they begged Jesus to touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything. Now watch what he says. The guy looked up and said, yeah, I, I mean, I see something. I see people, but there's an issue. I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Verse 25, some of my favorite words, once more. Somebody say once more. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The title for this, if you're taking notes, is simply these five words, just okay is not okay. Just okay is not okay. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you are just so faithful. Holy Spirit, we just ask for more right now of your presence. God, words from man is, is okay, but Lord, your presence is everything we've come for. It is everything we need. One word from you is better than a million from man. So God, we've come to hear from you. And Lord, there are some of us in here that it's not that we've been doing anything bad. It's not that we've been doing anything wrong, but we've just been settling in certain areas of our life for less than your best. God, I thank you tonight what your spirit is doing. It is, is, it's provoking us to a place where we say, God, we are going to get everything you have for us, God. We want you. We want all that you have for us. And God, we need you in this place. We honor you. We exalt you. We magnify the name of Jesus and we lift you up because you're the King of Kings and you're the Lord of Lords. We love you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. You know, I love food. You know, like I love 
food, and I like really good food. I do, I, we call it a foodie. I'm a foodie, and I like really good food. It's just, just, the, just me. My wife is a great cook, but I love going out to nice restaurants and buying food. There's only one issue, though, is if you really want, like, good food, you have to usually pay like a really good price for it, like for expensive. And don't get me wrong, in Texas, or in Texas, United States, we have those little, we call them hole-in-the-wall places. You know, it's like the secret places where in reality, those are usually better than anything else. But for the most part, it's like the, the places that are best rated, the places that everybody talks about are the ones that are like super expensive steakhouses where you go. And if you go to a steakhouse, yeah, the food's really expensive. And if I have to pay a hefty price for something, I would expect it to be pretty good, right? Because with price, when you pay a price, there comes an expectation that comes with it. I went to a place uh, Friday night. Someone took us to Hurricanes, to Hurricanes. Y'all know what Hurricanes is? It's this, like they have these ribs. They had a stack of ribs. It was literally bigger than like, it, it looks like it was human ribs because it was the biggest <laughs> stack of ribs ever. And I almost couldn't eat it because I was like, I don't know what this is. Is this like, what kind of ribs are these? They said it was pork ribs. I was like, Lord, I was like, help me before I eat this. <laughs> but it was great. But here's the thing. It was really expensive. And if if I'm honest, like if I'm going to pay a lot of money, I don't want to pay a lot of money for something and then all of a sudden just get something that is mediocre, just something that is decent. I don't want to go to a steakhouse, order filet mignon, which is my favorite food, medium rare. The Lord knows that is my favorite thing in the world, but then get something from McDonald's that comes out. You know, I don't want like a McDonald's burger when I paid for something because there becomes an expectation when a price is paid for something. How many people know this, that our lives were paid with a hefty price? Watch this in this verse. It's in 1 Peter chapter 18 through 19. It says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. He paid a ransom to save us. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God paid our lives with a ransom. You see, God paid a very expensive price for me and for you to be able to not just have a mediocre life, not just have a normal life, not just have partial freedom, not to just have partial breakthrough, but he paid a hefty price for me and for you. And I was thinking as I was sharing this story earlier about where I was in my life a couple months ago and where I really am, I found myself as I read this, these scriptures a, few, um, a couple, couple months ago in Mark chapter 8, I was asking asking myself this question and I said Cameron is the way I am living my life reflecting the reality that I understand the price Jesus paid for me on the cross am I getting everything that God has for me see because for, for me if I'm honest there were some areas in my life where I felt like I was just kind of settling in but if I really believe that Jesus died for me on the cross and prayed for a price for me to be able to get everything he has for me, then why was I settling for mediocre? Because what I believe, what God said to me is the same thing maybe God is saying to some of us. Just okay is not okay. Am I just okay in my life? That is my question because the truth is, which I think you know, one, we don't want to settle. We don't want just mediocre. We want everything that God has for me. And I believe that just okay is not okay. When I look at my life, I used to have different fears that I've had. I, we just went, we pet kangaroos and they had a huge snake uh, out and they were like, 
asking my, my friend Ryan, they, he pat a snake. They call it, y'all call it patting. Pet, we call it petting. If you pet, it's like you would pet a dog. Patting would be like this. So they told him to, to pat a snake. So he went up and he's like patting it. They were like, no, you cannot do that. They were like, this is patting. He's like, oh, but I've had different fears in my life that are pretty massive. Snakes, spiders, and scorpions. Two of my greatest fears, but they're different fears that I believe are even greater fears, which are fears that are, you know, the fears that you feel in our heart. And there's a few, I think the fear of failure has been something for me. Not growing up with a father, I was so scared to be a dad because I was like, what if I do it wrong? What if something happened? Like, I just, I don't know. I was really scared. But for many years, and honestly, I mean, it had to be until I'd say I became a pastor, my greatest fear was simply this. I would be so scared to go back to my old life. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, like if times get rough enough, God, like am I going to go back? And I think I spent so much time so worried, like, oh, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. But you know what I found? After you taste and see how good God really is, it's really difficult to go back. Once you remember where you were when God found you, when you remember the empty life, the broken life, when you remember when you were so empty and you were lacking purpose, it's so difficult to go back. But what if... The greatest temptation of every believer is not to go back to our old life, but to settle for mediocre levels in the place that God has for me. How scary is this? that I can step into the promise that God promised me. I can step into the place that God says he had for me, the place that I've been working for, the place that I've been running after Jesus to get to. And once I get there, I can just settle for low levels. I can settle for low levels in the good things that God has for me. That is so, so scary. And I think for all of us in here, we can agree that we don't want to just settle for low levels. We don't want to just settle for mediocre. Just okay is not okay. And good enough is not just good enough. We need to get every single thing that God has for us because he paid too high of a price for me and for you to just settle for mediocre. You know the scary thing about settling? Honestly, it doesn't... It sounds worse than it feels because sometimes when you think of setting, like settling is sometimes a little bit comfortable because it's just being able to sit there and you're just kind of relaxing and you're just hanging out a little bit. Settling can be pretty easy, but I think this, I think settling doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing anything wrong. See, I could be settling, but I'm not doing anything bad and I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just not living the fullest life I can imaginable. How many people know this verse? Jesus came to give life but not just life. There's no period right there. He came to give life and that life more abundantly. See, an abundant life is understanding, God, I understand what you've done for me on the cross. I understand who you are, and I'm not going to settle for just what life gives me, but I'm going to look at your word. I'm going to look at your promises, and I'm going to take everything that I can and be able to apply that for my life. The heart of God is not for us to just be mediocre. It's not for us to settle for mediocrity. See, good enough is not good enough, and Jesus paid too high of a price for me and for you to settle. See, I think this story that we read in Mark chapter 8, I really do think it helps show the fact that God has a, has a heart that doesn't want us to settle for low level. You see, there's this guy in that we see, he was a blind man. He was a blind man, and these people had heard about Jesus, probably heard about what he's done, heard about the miracles that he performed. So it says that this guy had some friends that go, and 
they take him. They lead him by the hand, and it says that the friends came, and they begged Jesus. They're like, Jesus, will you touch this man? Will you help this man? And I love what Jesus does. He grabs him by the hand, and he leads him out from away from the people, out from the crowd. It's a great picture of salvation. Leads him out. This leads this man out by the hand. Leads him by the hand, and he has this conversation with them, and he starts talking to him. And all of a sudden, that this man, you hear this. And this guy spit. If I was a blind man, I would just be like, what is happening right now? And all of a sudden, he, this, Jesus spits on his eyes, lays his hands on him, and then he asks him this question. This is, super, this is super interesting. He asks him a question. He says, do you see anything? You know, in the, throughout the Bible, as many of you know, when Jesus would heal people, it usually was followed with a command. Get up and walk. Take your mat. Do this. Do that. But for some reason during this healing, Jesus asked a question. Do you see anything? Now, here's the thing, and we know this. Jesus is, I mean, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He knows all things. So he doesn't ask a question for information for himself, but for revelation to those hearing. So he wanted this man to know something. He wanted the disciples to know something. And for us, he wants us to know something. So this man sits there, and he's like, yes, I can see, actually. Oh, wow, I was blind, but now I can see. This is awesome. But there's an issue. Even though I can see, I can see people, but they look a little bit like trees. We don't know, as I was studying this, it's interesting that in reality, they don't know if it was 100% he saw people like trees, but this was what we know. He could see, he just couldn't see clearly. His sight was a little bit off. His sight was a little bit wrong. And maybe for some of you, this is where you're at this morning. You know that you're better than where you used to be. You're just not where you want to be. You know what I found in my life? Some of the things that have held me back the most is because I constantly look back in my own old life instead of looking forward to where God wants to take me. You see, this is the truth. We can be so infatuated on where we used to be that we don't even look to where God's called us to be. And this does not mean we are not thankful for everything that God's done for us in the past. I am thankful. I have so much gratitude. It just means I want to take advantage of everything that God made available by sending Jesus on the cross. And he made available not just life, but a life that is more abundant. And I believe there are about 200 people in here that say, Jesus, if you made it available, I want it. I don't want to settle for just okay. I don't want to settle for just mediocre. I want every promise, every dream. Jesus, I want everything you have for me. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, just okay is not okay. Just okay is not okay. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, I love this verse, says this, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we all we ask or imagine. That means any more than I could ever ask God to do, he's able to do more. Any more than I could imagine in my greatest, greatest thoughts. He can do more. See, I, I feel like as a pastor, sometimes I'll say these things and I'll say it like, but I say it so like, oh yeah, he can do more than you could ask, think, or imagine. But it's like, no, this is true because it is the infallible, perfect word of God in our lives. No matter what season we are in, he can do more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. This is really good. News is a great promise, but this, I love this part, according to our power. Oh, no, 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 wait. Oh, it's according to his power. That is work within us. And how many people know that Jesus lives in us and he wants to do infinitely more than we could ask, think, or imagine. So if he wants to do infinitely more in me than I ask, think, or imagine, 
Cameron, why am I settling for such low levels in the place that God has called me to be? If this is what our God can do and wants to do, why am I settling for just mediocre? We can settle, I found, in just about anything. I think anyone, really, yeah, anyone can settle. And I think in America, this is like a really big thing. This is what we kind of determine if somebody is successful based on what their title is. Oh, so if you are a pastor, you're up here. If you are a CEO, you're up here. If you are this, you're up here. If you're that, you're up here. And I found one, my title before man is nothing compared to my, my position before God as a son of God, as a daughter, of, a daughter of God. It is so important, but I think so often we can make titles such a big thing. We really can. Oh, it's all about who you are. It's all about what you do. You know what I found? It is not about what you do. It's about how you do it. See, I know some stay-at-home moms. They are the most godly, passionate, fulfilled people I have ever met in my life because they are called to do that. Because it's not about me doing certain things, acting a certain way. It's simply about this. God, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it with everything in my life. That's why we have some pastors in this world who are so unsatisfied. We have CEOs making millions who are so unsatisfied. And then you got people that are working as janitors who are so fulfilled. Why? Because it's not about what we do. It is all about how we do it. And we need to make sure in our own lives that we just make up our mind. God, I'm gonna get everything I can from the place that you have called me to be. Whatever area of life I am, whatever place I am in, God, I'm just gonna make sure in my own heart. That's the hardest part about settling. That's the hardest part about mediocrity is simply this. I'm usually the only one that knows if I'm, being, if I'm the one settling or if I'm giving it, giving it everything because I can't judge somebody else's capacity. I cannot judge somebody else's journey, but I have to know in my own heart, God, that I am giving you everything. And there came a point about two and a half months ago, like I talked about, where I'm just like, God, I don't think I'm giving you everything and I'm doing the right things. I'm showing up. I'm doing this in my marriage. Yes, I love my wife, but I wasn't giving it the passion and I wasn't giving it the attention that I did at first. Sometimes we think if we want to go to the next level, if I'm at level A and I'm like, okay, it's time to go up to level B. Let's do this. I work hard, and I'm doing the things I need to do. If we want to go to the next level spiritually, it's like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to make Jesus number one. And then we get to that level, and then it's like, okay, it's time to get to the next level. Well, what do I do different? Honestly, you know what I found? There's really not much difference that you do to go to the next level. The same thing that got you to A to B is the same thing that will get you to B and C. I stay faithful where God's called me. I serve his house. I love people. And in any area of life, I found this. And sometimes I'm sitting there looking at my life thinking, okay, what do I have to do different? Oh, no. I just need to go back to the basics. You know what a professional is? Somebody who has mastered the basics. Someone who mastered the basics. And so often we can make it so much more complicated than it really is. We stick with the basics. We love Jesus. And we say, God, no matter what you've called me to do, I'm making up my mind that just okay is not okay because God, you paid too high of a price for me to settle for mediocre. You paid too high of a price for me to be able to just sit there and just get by. Do not just get by because just getting by is not okay for Jesus because the price that he paid should be reflected in the life that we lived. Good enough 
is not good enough. Maybe for us in the world, but no, not for us. We're, we, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. No, we cannot settle for just okay. I love this story, though, because it says this, that after, and I think it really, really shows this, that this man, after Jesus asked him this question, he's like, all right, what's the deal? I'm going to ask somebody if they can. Can we come up to the keyboard? Makes it a little bit more spiritual. It makes it seem a little bit, I'm just joking. And I love this because Jesus comes up, and after he, you know, he heals, he touches him the first time, and he's like, do you see anything? He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I see something. I see people. They just look wrong. And I see some stuff in my life, but it's just not full like, like I think it should be. And he says this, that Jesus says this in verse 25. He says, once more. Somebody say, once more. Maybe for what's going to happen this morning, maybe there's been different times where the Lord's touched you and there's been different times where he showed up in your life. And maybe all you need is just once more to take you to a place where you step into everything that God has for you. Once more. And it says this, that he goes, he touches the man's eyes one more time and it says the guy looked up and it says he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. See, so often we can just sit there and after we get touched that first time and after that first encounter, we just kind of go off. But I think the key to being able to step into everything God has for us is in verse 25, those two words, once more, once more. And even though it's talking about once, it's every single day. God, today is my once more because I don't just need you when I think I need you. I need you every moment of every day because you are the fulfillment to my life. You satisfy my soul because everything I need, I can find it in you. Just okay is not okay. And I have three quick little things that I want to give you that I think will help you be able to make up your mind that say, no matter what, God, we are just going to say, just okay is not okay. The first thing we need is God's people. I love this story in the Bible because it says this, that this guy who was hurting, who was blind, who needed breakthrough, it said that there were some friends next to him. There were some people around him that said, you know what? I'm not going to let this guy just sit there by himself. No, I'm going to grab him by the hand. And they had to lead him to Jesus. And they brought him to Jesus. I'm thankful that we got some people in this church who know how to bring people to Jesus and know how to be that. You know what? Somebody was that for us, and we need to turn around and be that for somebody else. People in this community that are broken, people in this community that are hurting, we just got to grab them by the hand and say, you know what? I know a person that can help you. I'm not going to take you to the wrong things, but I'm going to take you to the right person. And that person's name is Jesus. We need God's people. The next thing we need, we need God's presence. This man made up his mind after that. He got in God's presence. They brought him there and he stayed in God's presence. And you know what happened? It was in God's presence that he was able to get healed. You know, everything we need in this life, everything we're looking for, the things in our heart that we feel like are empty, you know where we get filled up? It's in his presence. Oh, his presence. I love that we were just worshiping and we were just magnifying the name of the Lord. And I've been tired a little bit from this jet lag, but everything seems to just go away when I can get in God's presence and I can lift him up. Everything we need. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. And something happens when we get in his presence. And the third thing we need if we want to go from being just okay to not okay is simply this. We need God's promises for our life. 
You know, I think a lot of times why we settle is simply because we don't know what's available. So we'll take whatever's given simply because we don't know what's available. This man in this story, it's easy to think, yeah, I mean, he, he's able to see. It's better than he used to be, but he had no idea what was available was the fullness of being able to see, the fullness of getting everything that God has for him and God has for us. And we need to know that Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to just have partial breakthrough. He didn't die for us just to have partial freedom. Jesus died on the cross for us to have the option, the mentality to say, you know what, God, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to run after you, and I'm going to get every single thing that you have for us. God created us on purpose and for a purpose, and we got to know whatever God's called us to do, whatever God has called you to do, we need the good things that God has put in your life. This church needs your giftings. This church needs what God's put in you. It's not about what you do. It is all about how you do it, and I'm thankful we got people in here that say, you know what, God, I'm willing to give you everything. I'm willing to do this with all of my might. I want to read one more scripture. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Watch this. It says, servant, do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. In everything we do, the ultimate master we're serving is Christ. Now watch this. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work which means this, that it is not okay for us to just settle for mediocre levels. But we gotta make up in our own heart to say, God, whatever season I am in right now, I'm making up my mind that I'm not settling for just normal, but I'm gonna take hold of every promise you made available for me on the cross, pull it down in my life. And even though I might fall down, all of us fall down, all of us mess up. It's not about being perfect. It's about saying, God, no matter what, I'm running after the perfect one because that is who he is. A righteous person falls seven times and he gets back up. Maybe for some people today, all you need to do is just get back up. His grace is sufficient. He is so good. I feel like maybe some people in here, you have been labeled for years and you have been labeled as mediocre. And because of what society says that you're called to do or what society says your job position is, it's somehow convinced us that what we do does not matter. But wherever you are, do it unto the Lord. Whatever God's called you to be, do it unto the Lord. When I first got saved, I had, uh, before I did our internship program at our church, I moved in, I moved away. I mean, I had to leave everything. I left all of my friends. I left all the music I was listening to. I left everything. And I moved up to the country. I guess it'd be like the bush that y'all call here. Left everything and I went up there. And I remember I, my cousins, who are the ones who brought me to the church that I was currently at, because they had been going there for a little bit. I had moved up and they worked at an insurance agency which would be, you know, for cars and houses and all that in case something was to happen. And I really needed a job. I didn't have much, much experience. Wasn't even honestly the best worker, but I needed a job. So they gave me a job and they gave me a job as a scanner. So what would happen if you got a new car, if you got something, you would have to sign the document, you would send it in and I would print the document. I'd put it in this little scanner, be like, and then I would put it properly in the, in the correct folder so that we would have it on file. So I was doing that. I was doing that for you. I'm, I'm telling you, I was the best scanner you've probably ever seen in your life. I was so good. 
But everyone, I was at the front area, and it wasn't one of those, it was an insurance agency. Not many people came in and out. Most people just called over the phone, did everything over email. And everyone else were all in this little room, and it, no door was separating. But I'd be up in the front, and I mean, God just got my heart. He did. So I would listen to sermons all day. And there was this guy named Damon Thompson. He's kind of one of those guys where he preaches really hard, where sometimes you're like, oh, am I saved right now? You're like scared a little bit. I was listening to this man though, and he was going off and one day, I was listening to this and somebody said, hey, Cameron, can you please turn that down? And I was like, oh, wow, I am so sorry. And then there was somebody I worked with named Scott. And this is what I heard him say. They said, hey, leave him alone. He's just a scanner. I said, what? Just a scanner? It rubbed me the wrong way. It really did. And I was like, just a scanner. I went home. I could not shake this. I was like, just a scanner? Just a scanner? He says, I am just a scanner. So I go home. I get onto Google and I type in, what are different names to call somebody who is a scanner? And that next day, I walked into this place with my chest bumped out. And I walked in, and I look at Scott, and I look at everyone, and I say, you might say I'm just a scanner, but I'm telling you, I am Cameron Andoni, and I am a lead document analyzer. And I want you to know... You maybe think you are just a Christian. You maybe think you are just normal, but you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are not just okay because God has called you for so much more. Will you stand up with me right now? Go ahead and stand up with me. The question that God asks this man was simply this, what do you see? What do you see? I want you to know, I think maybe God's asking us that same question right now. When we look at our life, what do we see? Do we see just normal? And, and I want you to know there is always more. And we know that if I'm at a level right now where I'm not satisfied, that's a good thing. Because a lot of times, that's when the Holy Spirit's provoking us, saying, okay, it's time to do more. It's time to go back and do the things you did at first. Worship me like when you first found me. Pray to me like when you first found out how much I loved you. Read my word. Devour it. Look into my promises. Provoking us to a place where just like this man in this story in Mark chapter 8, that we see everything clearly. God loves you so, so much. And I don't know where you're at in this place. I don't know if you came in and you feel far from God. Maybe you feel close to God. I do know this. God loves each and every one of us so, so much. His grace really is sufficient. There's no one that's too far gone. There's no one that's done too much. Whether we feel like we've had to say yes to him so many times and then we keep going back to that old life, I want you to know his arms are always wide open. And I believe that maybe today there's a few people in here you just need to rededicate or give your life to Jesus for the first time. So I'm gonna ask if everyone in here, can you just close your eyes, bow your head? Holy Spirit, we honor you. God, I thank you that you are just so good. You're the reason we're here. You're the only reason we're here. We need you, God. We want you. And Lord, I just thank you for who you are. There's some people in here right now, maybe your heart's beating in your chest, and you just feel the Holy Spirit saying, you need to give your life to him. Before you can step into the fullest life imaginable, you got to give your life over to the one who can do it. And Jesus is the only one that can. This is what salvation is, getting out of the driver's seat of our lives and saying, Jesus, you can get in. If you're in here and you need to give your life to Jesus, I don't care if it's the first or the 50th time, will you just lift your hand right now? 
right now. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Jess. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. God, I just thank you so much, God, for everyone that just said yes to you. God, salvation doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. But, Lord, we thank you. It does mean that we don't have to go through this life alone. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You will never leave us or forsake us. We put our faith in you. We put our trust in you. And, I, God, I thank you that even after services, they pray with the prayer counselor and they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. God, I thank you that their lives will never be the same. We declare it in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're thankful for what God just did, can we put our hands together? Thank you, Lord. This is what we're going to ask. I'm going to ask right now that we just lift up our hands to Jesus. We do this as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray any part of our lives where maybe we feel like we are just settling for mediocre. I thank you for the graceful touch of Jesus, the graceful nudge of the Holy Spirit just provoking us, saying, hey, it's okay, but it's not okay to stay that way, and it's time to go. I thank you good enough, God, is not good enough for a God like you because you paid too high of a price for us to just settle. Come on, let's just spend a moment worshiping God. Let's sing whatever is on your heart, worship team. Let's sing this out, and let's create an atmosphere of faith. God, we honor you. We love you. We need you, God. We want you your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.